calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. This is Heidi Rabenheimer, the Managing Editor of the CFA Institute Financial Analyst Journal, giving you a quick overview of the seven research articles in our third quarter issue of 2019. Elton Gruber and D'Souza ask, are passive funds really superior investments? This article provides a fresh twist to the active-passive debate by considering the investor's perspective and using only investable methodologies. They find that a small set of ETFs can be found that match the risk of an active fund in one period and outperform the same fund in the following period. Using correlation analysis, the authors find that they need only four ETFs to cover the risk characteristics of more than 800 active funds. Their risk-matching portfolio of ETFs beat their active counterpart 78% of the time even when shorting wasn't allowed and 90% of the time after costs were incorporated. In fact, even a simple strategy of buying the lowest cost ETF that matches the active fund's prospectus benchmark was superior 69% of the time, and that's a strategy anyone can follow. The evidence presented in this article is investable, so make sure you're familiar with this article's findings before you talk to your clients about active and passive investing. In defense of portfolio optimization, authors Lazeri, Allen, and Satchel re-examine the alleged dominance of the equal-weighted portfolio or the naive 1 over N portfolio over the mean variance portfolio. Forget everything you thought you remembered about Markowitz's early theory and all subsequent advances and criticisms of mean variance optimization. This article will take you through the argument step-by-step using analytics, simulation, and practice. The authors ask, how skilled do you have to be as a forecaster to significantly outperform? Does breadth really increase your success as the fundamental law of active management suggests? Does it matter how big your investment universe is? And can you really only prove significant skill after 10,000 months? The authors demonstrate the obvious, that if you have no ability to forecast, equal weighting is the way to go. But it turns out that mean variance for all its flaws outperforms the naive equally weighted portfolio with only very modest forecasting ability on the part of the manager. Mean variance outperforms significantly even in large universes with lots of estimation error and short measurement periods. This article is an excellent re-education for anyone involved in portfolio construction. Our next article will have you reconsidering the use of utility functions. Jeffrey Warren gives us all the steps for choosing and using utility functions in forming portfolios. This article advocates for the wise use of utility functions to represent investors for whom one size does not fit all, illustrates the practical use and benefit of client-suited portfolio management using utility functions for four different investor types – private investors, retired investors, endowments, and defined benefit funds. This article is full of well-informed advice and a step-by-step guide for implementation for those advising clients towards long-term investment and spending goals. Next is Machine Learning for Stock Selection by Rasik Schaffer and Jones. If you're feeling a little behind the curve on machine learning, this is a great place to start. The authors help us understand what machine learning is and why it can be so useful in forecasting stock returns. This article will take you through the different classes of algorithms and feature engineering. Feature engineering is particularly important to avoid overfitting, which is a chief criticism of machine learning. The article compares the predictive power of one particular machine learning approach with that of a common ordinary least squares regression approach. 
showing the substantial pickup in significance possible with sensibly applied machine learning algorithms and how combining forecasts can further improve accuracy. If this is the first machine learning article you read, it'll be worth so much more than the CE credits you earn for reading it. Next, Nick Baltus of Goldman Sachs explores the mechanics of alternative risk premia as they become crowded by synchronous trading. This article provides a very useful explanation of divergence and convergence premia that alone is worth the read. Momentum, for example, is a divergence factor because it is self-reinforcing. These types of premia diminish after they become crowded, with a risk of sharp correction. Value, however, is a convergence factor because it self-corrects with time, converging to fundamental values. A convergence factor performs better after crowding and actually underperforms when crowding isn't present. The takeaway here is that being right and alone is only of use if you're chasing a divergence premium, but convergence risk premia require the wisdom of crowds. Crawford, Perotti, Price and Skousen ask whether trading strategies that have been shown to be profitable in the equity market have merit in the bond market. Their article, Financial Statement Anomalies in the Bond Market, applies financial statement rankings to a large sample of bonds over time to see whether there were profitable trading strategies available using value, accruals, etc. They examined 32 different factors, typically seen in equity factor research, and found that many of them were good indicators of future bond returns as well. Value, accruals, investments, financing, reporting quality and size factors all provided indications for future returns after adjusting for bond characteristics. The authors went one step further and explored whether these inefficiencies were greater in particular segments of the bond market. They found that across these various factors, bonds without credit default swaps were less price efficient than those with low institutional trading activity, split credit ratings, and higher than usual earnings surprise. Furthermore, the inefficiencies are greater among non-investment grade bands and around the cusp of investment grade. This is a good read for our fixed income practitioners and lots of good data analysis provided. In our last article of the issue, authors Lachflin and Kelly interrogate the public perception of the titles brokers or investment advisors. The authors refer to the long-standing issue of whether brokers should continue to be exempt from the same fiduciary standard as investment advisors. This article focuses on a more practical issue, what investment professionals call themselves. The authors surveyed perceptions of various commonly used titles and found that the general public as well as investment practitioners themselves incorrectly attribute fiduciary responsibilities to job titles used by practitioners who have no such responsibility. They found that most people think that the primary role of a financial advisor, a term commonly used by brokers, is to provide investment advice and not to sell investment products. While regulators work on setting the boundaries for different service providers, let's get our terminology right. Talk to your clients and colleagues about this article and the responsibilities that are correctly attributable to each job title. This quarter's issue is an even bigger read than the last. To assist members, we provide in-practice summaries of all seven research articles alongside links to the full articles on the CFA Institute members app and on the web at cfainstitute.org. Both the summaries and the articles will earn readers continuing education credits. Until next time, look out for early releases of fourth quarter articles online and on your CFA members app. These include a challenge to the conventional wisdom on active management, timing and tilting of equity factors, currency hedging, the near-term yield spread as a leading indicator, carry investing on the yield curve, and more.